school, and he's just such a, a, a support to us, and I love his tender heart and his amazing, rich background. But I'd like, uh, could the elders come up here real quick? We're going to lay hands on this young man, and we're going to pray for him. Thank you, Jesus. And Max, I, I see that hand. I didn't make eye contact. <laughs> you just did. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you for Cyril. Thank you for all the treasures that you placed into him. And I just see like a, unlocking a treasure chest and open it up and going to share some of those jewels and treasures today. And we just release that to come forth. And we bless you, Cyril. We give you the, the grace and the anointing of Jesus the Holy Spirit to flow through you, and uh, Lord, we invite you to come and speak mightily to this body, your church today, through Cyril, in Jesus' name, amen. God is good, amen? amen. That uh, last song we're singing is so true. It is, he is so good. And that uh, verse 6 of Psalm 23 that was part of the song, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I truly believe that. I pray that every single day. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And uh, that's as true as the next heartbeat, the next breath. Jesus is good. He came, as we know, not to condemn, but to save and to love and to heal and restore. And he, he came to uh, share the Father. Doug has been talking about John chapter 6, and I'm going to, sh- or uh, the Gospel of John. I'm going to share part of John chapter 6, starting with the uh, feeding of the 5,000. With five barley loaves and two fish, there's a children's song that uh, they sing about the five barley loaves and the two fish, and this one little boy on the, on the song with a southern accent says, talking about the miracle of the fish and the loaves, said, that must have been tuna, it goes a long ways. <laughs> We sing about the goodness of God. Jesus wanted to show that in every way when he came. The 5,000 men, if they had their wives and two or more children, would have actually numbered as much as 20,000 men, women, and children. Seeing the magnitude of this sign, the people began to say, verse 14, John chapter 6, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to force him to be king, withdrew to a mountain by himself. His kingdom was not an earthly kingdom. The next day the crowd sought him out, as Jesus said, Because you ate the loaves and had your fill, he said. Uh, He he, uh, pointed out to them that that was why they came. He then urged them to not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. The crowd questioned him about that, asking, 
What must we do to do the works God requires? Verse 28. And verse 29, Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one whom he sent. They then asked him for another sign, reminding him of the bread from heaven. Verse 31, the bread from heaven that our ancestors ate in the desert. Jesus clarified that it was not Moses who gave that bread, but it was the Father who gave that bread. Verse 32, the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 34, they said, sir, give us this bread always. They knew a good thing when they saw it. Going to not have to work so much. Then Jesus declared, verses 35 through 39, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and I will never drive away anyone who comes to me. My Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Verse 41, the Jews grumbled because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Verses 43 to 51, Jesus answered, Stop grumbling. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. At this, the Jews arguing intensified as they are argued sharply among themselves, verse 52, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? They were thinking cannibalism, I guess. He was talking symbolically, obviously. Jesus did not back off what he had said, did not assure them that they had misunderstood, however. Rather, he doubled down and repeated, verses 53 to 55. Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever, in verses 56 through 58, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. The one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Verse 60, many disciples deserted Jesus at this point, asking, who could believe such a hard teaching? And verses 62 and 6 to 63, aware that his disciples were grumbling, Jesus yet again did not take the opportunity to rephrase or restate what he had taught about the bread of life. Instead, to further assert who he was, he asked them, what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? That would obviously be heaven. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. The twelve 
apostles, disciples had doubts too, and Jesus, knowing them, asked them, you do not want to leave too, do you? And verses 67 and 68, Peter went to the head of the class, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. At the Last Supper with his followers, probably using handmade vessels such as these, this is handmade walnut. In Luke 22, 19-20, Jesus, at his farewell supper, took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. In Acts 2, 42 through 47, we find that in the early church, they were doing as Jesus asked. They were breaking bread in their homes in addition to worshiping in the temple. The Christian belief in what has been called to, has come to be called communion varies greatly throughout the Christian world, but one possibility is to take Scripture literally when we can. A pattern often repeated is repetition. If a thought is repeated, we may take heed that it is intentional, especially when Jesus repeats something. Jesus could have backtracked when he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, because there was misunderstanding. But he only repeated it when people refused to believe. Thus, if we believe that he meant it literally, then the astonishing news that it is for the good of our bodies that he gives us his body. Most of our bodies could use a heavenly touch. I know mine could. (laughs) And uh, I don't. Uh, make any accommodations for my age much, (laughs) but um, my wife and I both have hearing aids, and even with them, I'm not wearing them today because it doesn't work very well with a microphone and all that, but we're often saying to each other, what, what? (laughs) Lots of uh, misunderstandings with that, but When he talked about us eating his flesh and drinking his blood, I take that literally for my body, my blood. Life is in the blood. Our blood flows to every part of us. Science has discovered amazing things that are are possible, even with improved thoughts. I don't know if any of you have ever read Caroline Leaf. She has some books. She's a, uh, her title is a word so big I don't even know how to pronounce it, but 
she um, works with the concept that through what we believe and through faith and through scripture, we can literally change our DNA. For example, when I go to the doctor, I have to share that they ask all these questions like they do to all of us. In your family, has there been mental illness? Yes. Has there been heart trouble? Yes. Has there been cancer? Yes. And so on down the line. And um, I, I answer the questions truthfully. But in my mind, I'm going, yes, but I have the blood of Christ. And yes, I do, I do not claim those diseases. I do not claim any of that. I do not believe that I will receive those things. I rebuke them in Jesus' name. I'm not having them. I'm, I am washed in the blood. And God's word says that if we have faith in him and we have fellowship with each other, we are washed in his blood. And that's, uh, wow. I, I do believe that our DNA can literally be transformed. And uh, regardless of what my family tree has seen or has been, I'm, I'm not having any of it. Uh, the diseases, that is. And uh, so far, so good. Um, with the blood of Jesus potentially flowing in us that saved the world, is there any limit to what he can do? One drop of his blood was enough to forgive the sins of all the people who have ever lived and whoever will live of all time. And we are given that to, uh, by faith through receiving his blood, through receiving his body. And so as, as we take communion regularly, those are things to think about because there, there really is no limit to the wonderful things that he came to bring. Doug was uh, referring to the song and about how God is good, and Ephesians 3.20 has some great things to say about that too, that our God at work in you can do far more abundantly than anything you can even ask or think or imagine. And as we think about our world and as we think about this uh, cocoon we've been in or this uh, whatever you want to call it, the last two years, um, there's some room for some, some newness of life and there's room for well, we're told in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that we're a new creation in Christ. Jesus told that the enemy comes to rob and kill and destroy in John 10.10, but you know the rest. I came that you might have life and have it to the full. And these are things that we receive through him. And communion through symbolically, spiritually, mentally, Receiving his body and blood and having that touch our body and our blood and our lives and the lives of others can transform everything about us, even going so far as uh, changing our DNA, our genetic makeup. I believe I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, but I, I believe that nothing is impossible for God. I believe that... Uh, 
As members of the body of Christ, we, we have, a, according to Scripture, we have a share in His divine nature. Through Him, the whole world was made, and apart from Him, nothing was made. And so that leaves a whole lot of potential for what can be done through us and for us and for others and for the kingdom. And so I do believe that that part of the song, and I guess I'll close with that, that uh, verse 6 of Psalm 23, that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And if you, I would like to pray right now, and uh, if you sincerely do need a touch in your body and your blood, if you would like him to renew you in the way that Jesus said over and over that he will, that we are to receive, I believe, that we are to symbolically, spiritually, mentally, and in fact, receive his presence into our thoughts, our minds, our spirits, literally our body, our blood, our emotions. And I would like to uh, pray for you if you think you could use a touch today. Jesus, you came that we would be made new. You came that goodness and mercy would follow us all the, day of our, all the days of our lives. You came that we might have life and have it to the full. You came that we would become a new creation in you. You came that literally the kingdom would be in us and among us. You came to bring life to the world. You came to save the world. I'm mindful of Isaiah 61. The things of the past will not be remembered nor come to mind again. Though darkness covers the world, upon you the light shines, and over you appears his glory. Receive that glory. Receive everything that he has to bring today. This I pray. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. That was a powerful word. Did you catch the part about DNA? How the blood of Christ changes our DNA? That kind of removes us from curses. That kind of removes us from genetic curses that have been passed from generation to generation. Doesn't it? I believe that with all my heart. That in Christ we are a new creation. Not only is our heart made new, but our entire being is made new. Do you guys believe that? Yeah. And you should be so excited about sharing that with others. Your DNA can be changed. The blood of Jesus. One drop. That is so powerful. I never thought of it in that imagery. One drop fixed it for all of mankind. That is powerful. One drop. Mm. Let's stand. I know the prophetic bent in me. I, I just know that some of you struggle with your past. 
You struggle with things that were spoken over you. You struggle with things that were spoken to you. You struggle with your family history in terms of health and other issues. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, because my aunt or my mom or whatever had cancer, then I'm right in line with that too. I'm telling you, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Those things that were spoken over you mm, that are not true, were not from God's heart, they are lies. And if you're believing those lies, then you really haven't bought into the fact that in Christ, you are a new creation. Amen? So let's just pray for clarity on that. Father, I just want to lift up this moment. Wow. Oh, we want to thank you for your blood, Father. Ah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I want to thank you, God, for the way that you have created us anew, that we are truly a new creation, that everything that ever was in our past is done, it's gone, it's over. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Mm. I just want to say at this moment, if, if you do not know Jesus, if you're struggling with the past and the voices of the past, because we can, we can give it to Jesus, but the enemy loves to hold on to those tapes, and he wants to show them again and again in our head and our heart, and he wants to mess with us. But I'm telling you, in Christ, if we're totally in union and hidden in him, they can't touch us. But if that's you, if you're struggling with your history, I'd like you just to raise your hand. If you're struggling with the voices you've heard, the things that have been spoken, you're having a hard time breaking free, just raise your hand for a moment. Yeah. Okay, raise them high for a moment because we're going to have people just pray for you. Mm. Why don't you two young ladies come right up here? Thanks. Thanks. Rebecca, you want to come over here? Maybe you and Karen could come over here. Sister, you want to come up? That's so good. Guys, we're in church, man. It's about freedom. Come on, let's do this. Wow. As earlier today, when I saw these two young ladies, it really quickened to my heart, the Holy Spirit did, that these, this generation, mm, they need to know truly whose they are. And they need to walk in that kind of freedom. And I believe that they're going to bring a message ah, of freedom and hope in a way that we never could. Amen? So just stick in your hands forward. And I don't want anybody else to miss out. If there's anyone else here who wants to be up here, come on up. This is, this is a great time to totally be set free. Wow. Okay. Father, we just thank you for these young and tender hearts. Wow. Thank you, God. I thank you for the calling that you've placed on their life.